Welcome to The Balancing Act, a podcast focused on leadership and management in the corporate space with Dr. Andrew Tempty, president and global head of corporate learning and author of The Balancing Act, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire. Andy, it's a pleasure to be here with you. If you could, uh, here at the top as we're welcoming people into the first episode and sort of laying the foundation for what we'll be doing here, could you describe your work, uh, your path to where you are, and then why this concept, The Balancing Act, is so important to you? Boy, there's a, Dan, it's lovely to be here. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> my my path to how I got here, geez, and that, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Uh, suffice it to say, I've had a 30 plus year career in the education space, uh, focused both in higher education, uh, as well as uh, professional education and, uh, and licensure. Uh, so I have a, I, I come to the table with a unique perspective uh, from from uh, from both of those angles, uh, I've been with Kaplan for uh, for 21 plus years. Uh, have had uh, uh, I've had uh, I've, I feel like I've had a number of jobs with, with, within Kaplan, uh, everything from chief executive officer to uh, to uh, dean of, uh, of of a school to my my current role, which is uh, uh, president and global head of corporate learning. When we talk about corporate learning, this is a space Kaplan and, and many companies out there are trying to focus on as the pandemic has obviously shifted things. Uh, we've changed the way we learn, the way we do business. A lot of things are virtual now. Why is this a, a, a particularly interesting space for you? And, and what do you think is some things that stand out that you want listeners to understand about corporate learning and how to maximize the benefit of it? Yeah, well, look, as 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 human beings in the workforce, uh, we've we've got a we got a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, the fourth industrial revolution, the advent of computers that can think at low cognitive levels, uh, but ever increasing cognitive levels, means that uh, many parts of our jobs will be taken by uh, those uh, computers that can that can quote unquote think. So our job as humans is not to uh, think that the computers are this big, bad, ugly uh, thing that's going to take our jobs, but instead think about how we can grow our economies and, uh, and our society by working alongside uh, computers that can think at, at low but ever increasing cognitive levels. Uh, so that just that, that takes a very different mindset. Uh, we know that the rate of technological change is accelerating, uh, and that rate of technological change uh, will uh, will force uh, much more societal change uh, in the future. The rate of societal change will mirror that of technical change. So we as humans will have to adopt uh, lifelong learning uh, mindsets. Uh, and, uh, and so corporations will need to think differently about how they, how they train and uh, how they deliver education within their organizations. They'll have to think differently about how they procure and uh, bring in talent uh, from, from the outside, uh, pathways uh, into that job. Uh, we, need, we need new and different pathways uh, pathways that are more uh, more succinct, uh, more economical, frankly, because uh, the cost of uh, the cost of a, a degree in education is uh, spiraling uh, out of control in in many regards. So we need more accessible, diverse, inclusive, 
pathways to the results that matter, which are which are obviously jobs and making making a living for for yourself and your family. It makes a lot of sense and and pivoting a little bit to bring in the balancing act to the book that you have written, uh, what it points towards, obviously it evokes an image of trying to balance one thing against another and very much focused on management styles, uh, middle managers, upper management, and how they might be able to utilize who they are uh, and understand how to properly balance different aspects of who they are to make sure they're getting the most out of themselves and the most out of their employees or their or their coworkers. When writing this, and, and you broke down multiple different sort of, I'll say, verses as a sports fan, but but competing interests, perhaps, why was that important to you to, to focus on balancing between two different things uh, as you wrote and as you think about how corporate learning plays moving forward? Yeah, uh, to me, balance is critical because as a society, we are wildly out of balance in many, many regards. Uh, this book is not uh, political at all. Uh, we're not going to have any political commentary uh, in in, the, in this podcast. But you you are either right or left or right or wrong, and uh, and and I don't believe that's healthy for for anybody personally, and it's uh, certainly not healthy for uh, for a business. Uh, the 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 old days of work were the days where you could separate your work self from your personal self. And to a certain degree, it's, uh, it is still possible to do that, but really only if your goal is to punch a clock, come into work, make a paycheck, you know, uh, work to live. Uh, and, uh, and, and many of us don't wanna do that. Many of us want very fulfilling uh, careers where we're making an impact and uh, putting on a different, uh, a different persona or a different suit of armor when you, when you walk into work uh, versus the, the, the clothes on, in quotes that you wear uh, when, when you are, uh, when, when you are you know, in an individual capac capacity, a private capacity, uh, separating those two things is, uh, is, is very, very difficult. And to be something that you're not in your career uh, is is just a formula for, frankly, for exhaustion. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense to me, and I think all of those answers help lay the groundwork for what we'll be doing across this first season of episodes uh, here on this podcast, companion to the book, companion to the work Andy's doing at Kaplan for corporate learning, uh, in trying to establish why we're doing this, what what's next, what's happening in the workplace, and educa education across the globe that really is changing, uh, and how we have to go to market with that. So Andy, one of the premises, or the premise we wanted to use for season one, uh, was the idea of ego. Ego, uh, self-ego, corporate ego, the idea of defining it, understanding it, and being able to then balance it against other maybe competing or maybe helping causes or, or ways we feel. So if you could, um, there's a very specific definition of ego from you know a psychology perspective. Uh, can we talk about that a little bit and then your perspective on ego in the workplace? Yeah, I, so I've done... It, the process of, of, of writing the book uh, really forced me to think uh, deeply about root cause of uh, some of the behaviors, especially the unproductive behaviors 
that uh, that that we see in 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 the workplace. Why do managers uh, act the the way that they they act? Why do people believe that you can put on a different set of clothes uh, in in the office and be something? completely different uh, outside outside of the uh, outside of the office and the thing that just kept nagging at me as I was writing the book and as we've been thinking about this podcast is the concept of ego uh, so if you uh, you know if you go back to Freud in the 1920s uh, you know there 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 are academics who debunk Freud and and you know don't think that this carries value uh, but those are academic arguments. I'm kicking it up a notch uh, from there. Uh, but that concept of ego is very different from the concept of the, the quote unquote popular notion of, of ego that we toss around right. in, casually in, in circles today. The ego as defined by Freud is this conscious mediator that sits between our base instincts, uh, that which he called the id, and the superego, which is this unattainable uh, theoretical construct of who we should be. So you've got your base instincts uh, that frankly are fixed and uh, don't change much throughout, throughout our lives. And then this concept of superego super that teachers, clergy, uh, mentors, parents, uh, coaches, etc., imposed upon us, especially during our formative years. Andy, this is how you should be. This is the this is what you should aspire to be. And the ego then sits between those two things and negotiates uh, how we actual the reality of how we live. Uh, in uh, in in our daily lives, and that definition of ego is then almost opposing to the concept of the 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 more popular concept of ego that oh Dan Strafford's got a big ego oh you better call in the contractors to widen the door for his head because he can't he can't walk through the door uh, that. That is a very different uh, definition of, of ego. And I, I guess through this podcast, I want us to be thinking a little less about ego in that construct and a bit more about the positive connotations of ego, which is that, uh, and to be very specific for listeners, the concept of a strong ego is one where you are uh, uh, your you, those mediation skills between your base self and your ideal self. Those mediation skills are strong uh, uh, versus a weak ego that can't uh, really negotiate between those two, and one takes over and uh, versus the other. And then think about the popular version of ego, uh, you know, kind of minimize that for the time being and, and instead have conversations about the benefits that uh, e that ego can provide uh, to the human condition. Yeah, I would say one of the things you did very well, in my opinion, in the book and, and in as we producing this podcast is to be positive, right? The, these aren't words that necessarily carry negative connotation. They're just 
things that we need to consider against one another, that we need to consider how they interact with one another. They're not necessarily saying if you are vulnerable or if you have this ego or if you that it's negative. It's just understanding how they interplay and how these things can harm you as a manager or make you a better manager as time goes on. So if we take a step back, we've defined ego, we understand what we're doing with it in this context of this podcast, in the book, and even in the workplace, how would you talk to a manager about ego in the workplace, ego as a self you know, reflection point, something to understand about yourself? What sort of tips or tricks or whatever you might want to define it as that would you provide to someone about what you want them to understand about ego? Yeah, so in the popular literature uh, around uh, corporate education, generally there's a concept of fixed mindsets versus growth mindsets. And, uh, you know, we, we want to hire people that have growth mindsets versus those that have more fixed mindsets. That concept can be uh, definitely associated with, if not boiled down to, this concept of a strong or a weak, or a weak ego. Uh, pe people kind of freak out when you, when, when you start uh, making references to quote unquote, talking to yourself. And, uh, you know, I, I think people need to talk to themselves a lot more than, than we have previously. Even, even that, even that con concept of, of having reflective moments and having conversations with yourself about the paths that, uh, that you're going to take, the decisions that, that next big decision that you're going to make as a leader or how you're going to get a group involved uh, in, in, a, in a particular process or, uh, and we'll talk about the clay layer and permafrost, uh, I'm sure a lot more uh, in the future, but how do we thaw the permafrost within our organizations? How do we soften uh, the, 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 the clay layer, i.e minimize fixed mindsets and, uh, and uh, accelerate uh, the, the adoption of, of more growth mindsets. And to me, it, it all comes down to this concept of being able to have those mediating conversations with yourself and, uh, and, and coming to more productive and constructive conclusions for both you yourself, your teams, and ultimately for the success of, uh, of the success of your business. We talk about diversity and inclusion really mattering, that the diversity of thought and opinion within our businesses is better for business than, uh, than, fi than, fix than fixed mindsets. So that concept of a growth mindset, uh, having that strong ego that can mediate those, those, are, those are essential ingredients to being able to take on board new information, different perspectives, and ultimately building uh, in inclusion with, within our organizations. So as of April 6th, Andy's book is available, uh, Amazon, uh, Target presale, plenty of places you can find it, Balancing Act by Dr. Andrew Tempty. We are going to work through this podcast, season one, about ego versus other 
possibilities in the workplace. Today, we've defined what ego is for our purposes, the difference between a strong ego and a big ego. And I think that's a really important uh, distinction between those two topics. And what we'll be doing on the next episode is talking about ego versus vulnerability. And we will define vulnerability and we've talked through how exactly we've defined ego. We'll do the same next episode. As always, we're gonna be here on your favorite podcast app, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, make sure you're sharing. You can also find us on YouTube and you can like, share, and of course, comment, ask questions of Andy. We'll be happy to answer questions here as we go on as well. Until next time, this is The Balancing Act. <laughs>